1: Hey, if you've watched any kind of movie or talked about sales, you know one thing, ABC Always Be closing, baby. That's the name of the game when it comes to sales. So we're going to be talking to one of the biggest sales leaders and consultants in the industry. Selling Power Magazine in 2018 said he was the top, and he is. He's a friend of mine. Not only is he a friend of mine, he's also a podcaster on C-Suite Radio and one of our Hero Club members. I mean, this guy's drinking the Kool-Aid because he is at the top of the game. And being at the top of the game, I'm talking about lead Smith, the CEO and founder of Sales. Fuel. So this is going to be a great show. You're going to love to listen to it because we're going to hear about toxicity and how it kills an organization and how you need to get rid of it, identify and find it. We talk about something like, hey, do you test your salespeople or not? He and I have a different opinion about that. But I think because of what he said on the show from this episode, I'm going to change my mind about it. And then, oh man, I'm telling you, one of the biggest gems is about to come. We're going to talk about wants versus needs. So listen in right here on C-Suite Radio with Jeffrey Hazlett talking Talking to Lee Smith. So my first question is: You started your business in sales. So you started Sales Fuel back in 1989. Now that's not one decade, not two decades. That's oh, three dec. That's three decades ago. Thanks, Jeff. You know, well, you know, I got to point <laughs> these things out. You know, whether. But old dogs are good. Old dogs are good because we've been through the ringer. And so my first question to you is: How much has the industry changed since then?
2: I mean, it's changed a ton. It's probably changed more in the last 10 years than it has in the previous 50. I I can tell you that the most substantial change has been that Back when I started, you know, the salesperson controlled the conversation and controlled the buying journey, and that, the customer journey, if you will. So you had to go through the salesperson and maybe hope that they would send you some information in the mail and follow up and call on you and tell you all about their product and everything like that. Now, these days, though, the customer's in charge, and they control the, the conversation. So they already know before they even want to talk to a salesperson. Uh, they've already been on the website. They've already read reviews and ratings and things of that nature. They've always, uh, already have talked... Other people who have purchased the product. So they already have all that product knowledge. What they need the salesperson, though, to do is to think more analytically as far as, okay, how can this help me solve a problem or how can this help me achieve a goal? And it's a much different situation for a salesperson these days than it was 30 years ago.
1: Well, it's different. But don't you think the customer was in charge before of that sales journey?
2: I think that was probably the case. It's just that the, uh, the salesperson didn't know it. Now the salesperson knows it.
1: See, I, th- I think that's exactly the case. You know, I think just like social media showed us the customer's always been in control and we thought we were in control of the brand, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time and social media, but but really truly the digital side of the world has changed this world, even on the sales side. Even though sales is still a very good applied skill and has a lot of intuition as well, but we also know you have to be a skilled practitioner in this. But digital has really changed that, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Because a salesperson is now—it's not just about product knowledge. You could go skate by in the past with having strong product knowledge. Now you have to know how to be able to apply that product to solve business problems or, or to achieve business goals. You have to have more people skills because it's all about. Of course, it was about building relationships back then as well. It that, was that, that much yeah. has not changed. Yeah. but it, it becomes more important now because the other stuff is less important.
1: Yeah, in fact, I heard somebody at some conference who got up and said, "It's all about—it's all about the relationship." I said, "Dude, when the it's hell did that change?" The- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. (laughs) You know, so people, uh, some people think they've reinvented that. You know, So let's talk about this sales journey if we can, Lee, because now you've really got my my juices flowing on this creative (laughs) side of it. The biggest thing I see that's changed in that sales journey, you know, from consideration all the way through to close has been the speed of which the customer now approaches it. It's a much faster cycle. and, And as you said before, many of those things are already decided before they talk to a salesperson.
2: That's right, and so sometimes it's about correcting misinformation that they might have picked up somewhere else. It might be about filling in gaps uh, that, that they weren't aware of. But most importantly, though, it, it's about how this applies to your business, and it, and it's really all about that. So it, it becomes even more important that the salesperson understands that customer's business and, more importantly, understands that their customer's customer and how that end user is actually going to be impacted by that. And then to be able then to matchmake, if you will, their products and services then to be able to solve those problems and achieve those goals.
1: Well, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about closing rate because I'm I'm I I just got off my my sales forecast meeting this morning with my mm-hmm. team, and I'm fixated on close ratios, and I'm fixated on you know qualified leads. So let's talk about a little bit about that. So there are some that believe that best in class companies close like thirty percent of their qualified leads, while the average company does about what I hear twenty mm-hmm. well, percent. What's a what's a successful close ratio to you, or close rate to you?
2: Well, in our company, it's actually above 50% now and that could be good or that could be bad because that, that could mean that we're being so conservative as far as what we're allowing to go, go through the sales funnel that we actually be, make those sales qualified leads that you know, that leads to a higher close ratio and, and maybe we could be a little bit more free swinging and, and perhaps generate more revenue for us but for the way that we do it right now th- that's where it is and, and, and because the, the marketing does a great job at the top of the funnel and that we're nurturing leads and keeping people engaged you know, in the company and in the product then until they're ready to buy and then you know, once we get the buying signals and hand raisers and everything like that obviously we're sales fuel so we know how to close so we know how, how to do discovery and, mm-hmm. and how to solve problems so it's like that that's what we're good at so yeah we have a really good closing rate on that
1: what are some of the big critical insights that salespeople are missing, you know? And if they're missing them, uh, how do you turn that ship around? I have a thing called a motivational stick, which is a mini Lou- a Louisville <laughs> slugger. Yes. And, and I actually write that on the, I have it written on the uh, on the baseball bat, and I hold it up in meetings sometimes. And I know that's probably not the best kind of motivation to use. So what are some of the critical insights that salespeople are missing? And and, and if they're missing them, what, what do we have to do to turn them around? And here we've got a
2: replica of Lucille, you know, Negan's bat in The Walking Dead, you know, with the barbed <laughs> wire around it. So it's like, I think we took that up a notch or something. There you go. The, the thing that in that, the salespeople that, that we work with and we train and, and that we consult with is that they're all business. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the name of the podcast, but it's like, it's not about, you know, just about the, the business. It's about the people and getting to know then the buyer, not just the buyer, but then all the stakeholders and, and, and how a favorable decision to buy your product or service is going to affect those stakeholders, getting them involved in the process and, and understanding their unique situation uh, and how this impacts them personally. What's this going to mean for them as far as their workday, as far as their advancement in the company, as far as the political capital that they're going to have to expend then to bring this product on board and some of the pain or frustration they may have to go through to get adoption uh, I- internally. That I think is some is what's missing. It's like we can do the research on who the buyer is, we can go to LinkedIn, we can do the Google search, we can do all that stuff, we can go to the company website, we can do a news search, we can go to Crunchbase and G2 Crowd and all that, and we can use sales fuel then for digging up information about the industry and the changes that are happening there. That's well and good, but it, the salesperson these days, it's really got to be more about the people and not just the buyer, but all of the people that are involved.
1: But when you're saying the people, you're really talking about needs, aren't you?
2: You know, I think more important than needs is wants.
1: Oh, there you go. It's yeah.
2: because, you know, it's like I need to eat a salad for lunch, but I want a slice of pizza. So guess what I'm going to have for lunch? So <laughs> wants are definitely more powerful th- than needs. And so you have to really find out then what the buyer wants personally, maybe even more so than, than what the needs are.
1: You know, I think that's I, listen up, folks, what he just said. That's a gem. That's a goal. That's a keeper. I'll probably touch base on this at the end of the podcast.
2: What I even go so far as to say it's like we as salespeople do needs analysis. We need to be doing wants analysis.
1: Well, I the, the difference here is exponential in terms of what you can charge or exponential in, in how fast you can close the sales. And I want to make sure that we're pointing that out. You know, I, I love needs, but I love the word that you use in terms of wants because that just takes it up a notch or two, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just says right there that's the money. That's the money shot. That's the money closed. That's the money. That's where the money is. Because if somebody wants it more than needs it you want that piece of chocolate cake That's right. you know you know as opposed to you need that piece of chocolate cake no okay but wanting it is you'll kill your firstborn to get it you know, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> i don't know if i want it that bad but okay <laughs>
1: You know, I find salespeople making mistakes. in The real. The fundamental mistake I see a lot of salespeople is they come to me with their set program. They, they, they've they been trained on this. They've got this, you know. Uh, you're probably rolling your eyes right now listening to me because you, you know what I'm talking about. But, I know I am. Yeah, and, and so they come to me, and they want to tell me the whole freaking story when they had me at hello. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to do this yesterday with someone. I said, hey, look, you already sold me. Shut up. In sales,
2: we always have called this and being able to think on your feet. But it's also about being able to act on your feet and being adaptive to the situation. And yeah, it's like if, if I know that I need to be short and to the point because it's a decision maker that doesn't have a lot of time and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak in bullet points, I'm going to get my point across, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get the yes and I'm going to get out. But there's other types of people that prefer to get their information and, and do their business transactions in a different way. Some of them that need to be more creative and, you know, and paint the picture and and some people need to be more analytical it's all about the numbers 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 and you have to again it goes back to the people you have to know that communication style if you will of the buyers and the stakeholders to be able then to communicate in a way that you can be heard
1: that's so true so true I love that that's a real gem so e-commerce has disrupted this industry a lot in terms of sales and quite frankly marketing and you know now in fact I'm watching marketing positions just come under attack because they're no longer wanting to call them chief marketing officers because it's changed (laughs) so much so e-commerce is continuing to cause this disruption so how do you level the playing field for customers
2: I think it's about if you're selling a commodity, then you're going to be a victim to e-commerce. You know, w- why do I need you? I just, I just need the cheapest price. I'm going to go online. I'm going to, to scout it out and everything like that. I mean, it reminds me of the story that you talked about when you were at Easton Kodak and you talk about selling film. And, you, and, and when you guys realize it's like, well, wait a minute, we're not in the film business. And, yeah. you know, what is it you're selling? You, I th- if I recall correctly, it was something like making memories or being able to evoke emotions over a period of time or something like that. What was it?
1: Well, that, without question, you yeah, you want to tap into those emotions of, of that chief, uh, well, what do we use? Chief memory officer. You uh-huh. know, so I th- that's where we focus. I try to really get it down to that chief memory officer that we're focused in on that. Because, again, getting back to the wants versus needs, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so
2: so for us, it, it, it's about you know, how you compete against e-commerce then. One is to sell a product then that's not a commodity. And if you do have a product that's not a commodity, then it's going to be a matter of, okay, The salesperson doesn't add value in that situation. The salesperson is the value in that situation. Yeah. So, it, so they're not a value add, they are the value. So it, it's about if you buy this product, you buy it from me, then I'm not just going to sell it to you, drop it, have it drop to your door and you'll never see me. It's going to be a matter of I'm going to be you know with you, I'm going to help you implement this, deploy this, I'm going to be here to solve any problems as they arise. I've got suggestions on best practices from other people that that, that have been in your shoes and have done this and being able to play on that experience. And here's another thing to remember is that, that a product is not the solution, the successful use of your product is the solution (laughs) all right so that's what makes the salesperson valuable in that and that's how you compete against e-commerce
1: amen brother amen just like an idea it doesn't mean squat doesn't mean shit unless you implement it Got you know an an idea is nothing but air until you implement it which is so true c-suite radio
3: if you're looking for plump lips at last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all gel fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit www.juvederm.com.
0: Gravity had a good run, but it's time to feel the weightlessness of the
2: Brooks Glycerin 21. These running shoes feature nitrogen-infused DNA loft V3 cushioning. Brooks has even magnified the plushness to elevate the softness to new levels. And if you want extra support, find these same features in the Brooks Glycerin GTS 21. Learn more and shop now at brooksrunning.com. That's brooksrunning.com. Hey, we're talking to Lee
1: Smith, the CEO of SalesFuel, and also the host of a podcast right here on C-Suite Radio called Manage Smarter. So you got to tune into that too. So if you like what you're hearing today, you're going to get a lot more of that and more on C-Suite Radio with Manage Smarter with Lee Smith. So that's what we're doing. We're talking right here about sales and talking about leadership. So we know that the sales industry, I mean, I just turned over a couple of salespeople and it has a high turnover rate or what I would say higher than normal. Uh, How do you cut down on that?
2: There's always going to be some turnover rate in sales because it's a difficult job. We go out, we get beat up every day. We hear the word no a lot. Then we get mm-hmm. beat up by our sales manager. Of course the sales managers getting beat up by 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 leadership at, at top. <laughs> yeah, by by me, by me. Okay, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So they they're getting it from both sides, from bo- from above and below. And it, yeah. it, it's, it, sometimes it can be very difficult and, and uh, very challenging, very frustrating. So you're, you're going to have that. You're going to have turnover because your A players are, are out there and, you know, they're going to believe that, you know, hey, I'm the one that's driving the boat here yeah. and they can't do it without me. And then, of course, they have other people whispering in their ear, hey, come work for IBM, come work for Cisco over here, it's, mm-hmm. it's better over here. And you've got that going on. Hopefully, you're doing a good job of weeding out your bottom 10 to 15 percent rather than investing time in trying to save those hires, you're, you're, you're trying to weed them out. So the reason why all people leave, but particularly salespeople leave, one of course there's the money, there's the compensation, absolutely there's that. But just like any other industry, it's the manager, it's the direct manager. So if you want to reduce turnover, you got to improve the manager. And then of course then there's the culture, and I'm not talking about the company culture. I'm talking about the micro culture. Each team has their own micro culture, and that team is led by the manager. If you can improve the, the culture and, and make it one that they can thrive and grow and be successful and actually enjoy coming to work, you're gonna have a much better chance of keeping them, obviously. So as you can see, the manager plays a very pivotal role here. I, I think that's probably the number one thing that you can do to keep. The number two thing you can do to keep good salespeople is to hire good ones to begin with so that you're not turning them over. Now, I know of a client of ours that needs our help and that we're trying to convince them to actually use our help, whereas they, they turn over 50% of their new sales hires in nine, every oh 90 days. Oh my
1: God, the cost like, of that, the cost of that.
2: That's insane. Yeah. And what they want to do is they want to go cheap and they, they don't want to do any pre-hire testing. They're not doing, you know, we do discovery and sales, obviously with prospects that they don't want to do the discovery on new hires and everything like that. And their onboarding is not all that great either. And it's like, okay, we, we've hired you. Okay, we're gonna let you, you know, spend a day with, with another sales rep and boom, you're on the phones and you're out on the street. And yeah, that's just a horribly inefficient way that they're on the sales department.
1: Well, I'm gonna come back to about hiring about without testing. I want to come back to that a minute, but you, you talked about leadership and I want to really get drilled down on that because the leadership of those micro cultures I love the way you phrase that of those sales teams or the sales team in general do the whole sales department or you know depending on how big it is but uh, they all have a different <laughs> different culture than usually the rest of the company without question because they're mm-hmm. they're hunters they're killers they reap things so that's they growers they're fixers yeah. yeah, yeah. they
2: definitely have to be doers yeah
1: yeah they're, but they're they're getting something done they they're they're after an objective every single month a forecast a, a target whatever but let's talk about leadership. I saw on your website where you said, and I'm going to quote, when you improve a rep, you improve one person. When you improve a manager, you improve their entire team. What do you look for in, in a manager and maybe even an employee? But let's talk about management.
2: And well, in management in, in, in particular, two things immediately come to mind. We had done a, a study on this and we put it into a white paper, which is the best sales manager I ever had. And the number one thing that salespeople say when we asked them, who was the best sales manager you ever had and what made them? special number one response by far was the word caring it was a manager that that cared about the salesperson as a person about uh, as a professional cared about the welfare of the entire sales team of course cared about doing their job well but you know just actually had the genuine best interest of the employee as well as the company at heart and balanced those two very very well and the second thing was trust because if, if you have no trust you' you're no leader. I'm not going to follow you if I can't trust where, you, where you're where you trying to lead me and, and why we're going there. And I would say then the third thing I look for is clarity. So the a manager has to have a very, very clear message, especially at the moment of assignment and any time an assignment is given, it has to be crystal clear as far as what the objectives are, why we're doing this, what success looks like, what the deadline is what the impact of it's going to be, and to be able to answer all questions at the moment of assignment then so that, that they are crystal clear and, and very good communicator is, is in that regard. So those are, the, those are the top three things that good managers, good leaders have to have.
1: That's, that's a great outline of the, the key pieces. What, let me ask you, would you hire a salesperson without testing them? No. Never. Not, 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 never? Never. Yeah. Ne- you, you believe in testing that much?
2: I believe it's another set of eyes that, you know, because it's so easy for a sales manager or a CEO like us than to, you know, see a great presentation or, you know, me is like when I see somebody up on stage, particularly, you know, a really sharp female executive up on stage or whatever, absolutely just kills it or something like that. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's the one. She's awesome. Let's go get her. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that that's, you know, that's in the moment, that that that's that one thing. And it's so easy for us to be uh, excited about a candidate, like after interviewing nine or 10 others, like, oh my God, thank God, finally one that doesn't suck. Yeah. And so we get so excited <laughs> about that, we almost sell ourselves on, on the candidate. Yeah. And the data, the analytics, what that does for it, it's another set of eyes, it has less bias. One, it, it does one of two things. It kind of says, it resets us and goes, like, wait a minute, how come this data is saying this, but I don't see that? Mm-hmm. What's different here? Or the other thing, thing that it can do for you is like, oh, it just reaffirms that what I think I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing, and I feel actually even better about the hire. I read some, a study by CSO Insights that shows that sales departments that use hiring tools actually feel 30% more confident in, in, in their sales hiring ability. And I, it, and I believe, if anything, that number is probably low.
1: How about on a management? A management would, you, would you always test the management too?
2: I absolutely would test a management because not only do I want to know all the things that I just mentioned, but I want to know about their their critical thinking. I want to know about their decision making capability. I want to know about their level of empathy and emotional intelligence. Here's the thing. I I believe that managers are leaders whether they want to be or not. So don't pull the Chuck Barkley on me aware and say, I am not a role model. It's like, well, because you have to model that behavior that you want your staff to have. So you got to be able to do that and you're a leader. So it's really super important then that they possess a high level of, of emotional intelligence because you're all about then trying to motivate people, trying to pick people up when, you know, when they're having a difficult time. and sometimes navigating drama and trying to eliminate drama uh, yeah. uh, in, in a workplace it's like and that's, it, it's the most exhausting part of the job.
1: Well, and, you know, in so many times, I, I just had this request um, where we were replacing our vice president of sponsorships, right, and and, and ad sales. And my GM said, hey, Jeff, I, I want to make sure I'm involved because I was ready to move forward, you know. And they said, no, 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 I want to interview that person because, see, they got to get along with them. Right. And at the same time, that person's responsible for delivering them part of their sales goal. Mm-hmm. So they're going like, no, 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 let's, no. Let's slow this sucker down. Let me make sure that I like this person, too. It's tough to remember that, though, when you're the boss.
2: Bill Parcells, who when he was coaching the New York Giants said, if you he held me responsible for cooking, cooking the meal, at least let me buy the groceries. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's just so true. Well, you know, you said before, I've heard you talk about this, you, you, what you called a toxic candidate or maybe mm-hmm. a toxic salesperson. Yeah, how do you weed them out?
2: Yeah, that that's where data really really comes in, in, into play because yeah. with salespeople, I mean, we have this reputation in us of, of being good bullshit artists. Okay, that that's yeah. What, well, that, we that, can tell
1: good good good. You know, a decent salesperson or a really bad salesperson can tell a good story, and, and, and it's a story. It's bullshit. It's a story. And-
2: and the story is usually about themselves. And, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is, like they may deliver a fantastic interview, a, a fantastic performance, but you'll never see that performance again once you hire them. And it's because, well, they're so experienced at interviewing because they, they bounced around quite a bit. <laughs> and that's what makes it really tough. So that's where the data com- comes into play, where you have to take a look at somebody's mindset, the attitude, uh, their natural propensity then for toxic behavior. Now, understand that you know, there are 13 different archetypes that, that we've... Uh, identified then in the sales industry. One of them, which is called the jungle fighter, and I know this one very well because I hired one of them. Uh, only one of them really is toxic all the time. As soon as they step foot in your organization, they're toxic from the word go. And I define toxic as maybe a little bit differently. A bad hire is somebody that, that comes in and has low performance. Uh, but a toxic person actually lowers the performance of everybody else. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are low performer, but it, immediately they come in and they lower the performer performance of everybody else. Whereas a superstar, obviously, is somebody that raises is the performance of everybody else on the team so toxic being the opposite of that so yeah we have to take a look at mindset a little bit of psychology a, a little bit of the emotional intelligence decision making what motivates them to do what they do uh, what are their natural tendencies and sometimes toxicity though is, is sort of like a sleeper cell where it's like you know, they just have the propensity to, to to be toxic you know and in the right situation the, the, the toxicity will never manifest itself it won't be activated but in A normal situation or or in a bad culture or something like that, that gets activated and, you know, hold on tight, buckle up.
1: Yeah, that's that's, as you poison the well across the thing. Not everybody's affected by it right away, but eventually everybody will be. Hey, you, you know, you mentioned the word superstar, and I love that because I've always been a superstar on sales. You know, I quite frankly, I'm not, you know, patting myself on the back, but I'm just flat telling you, I've always been a superstar in the marketing side. That look, that's what I do, and I do it really well. Confidence but is something
2: it, else a salesperson has to have. You know, you <laughs> have
1: to have that. And by the way, it's not hubris if it's true. That's right. <laughs> You're not bragging if it's true. So, but nonetheless, you know, I, I I have good understanding of what I do and how I do it. But but I know some superstars. I remember once in a big company that I was running. We had a superstar who was a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. He just caused a pain in the ass, but his numbers were off the chart. And everybody would come and complain. And at that time, the divisional president, who I was you know, under at that time, and I was learning. This was younger in my career. I said, well, what are we going to do with this guy? And he goes, Jeffrey, would you rather have a horse that's trying to, you know, jump out of the stable all the time and kick down the doors so he could run, or would you brother have a horse that stays inside that little tiny cubicle, that stall, and never touches the side of the wood? That's right. And what do you what do you say when I say something like that? What do you what do you what do you think about that? I said
2: let those horses run. That's yeah. what I say. I mean, that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now at the same point in time, you do have to take a look at uh, their impact on, on others on the team because if you bring in somebody that, that that's performing well, but they drag down the performance of everybody else on the team, you have to look at what the net impact of that that person is.
1: Or so the it, drama factor. I exactly call that exactly right. You know, the drama factor can be huge here. Like you, prima donna. You, sorry, son of a bitch. You know, whatever you might want to say about that. Where well, I love you on this side, but God dang it, your your behavior on this side is causing too much of a problem.
2: Yeah, you and I are yeah. both sideways. Fans or whatever, and she's yeah. she's a drama researcher, and she talks about that all the time. That, that that your drama basically multiply that by three, and that offsets then whatever positives you bring
1: to the table. Yeah, that's a I fact. Think she's yeah. Dead right. Yeah, I think she's right too. Hey, well, listen, you know, I want to keep going, but we're running out of time. But let me give you a little shout out. Again, we're talking to Lee Smith here at Sales Fuel, and don't forget that he's got a great podcast called Manage Smarter on C Suite Radio. Anything new projects you got coming up, Lee?
2: Well, as a matter of fact we're, we're just launching one here this quarter which is called sales fuel hire uh, we started uh, with, with a product earlier in the year called sales fuel coach which is a uh, developmental sales coaching and it's a platform then that really uh, cures the, the problem of no one has any, enough time for sales coaching managers have so many responsibilities and sales coaching is one of them sometimes that one falls by the wayside so we developed this adaptive platform when I say adaptive it's different for every single person based on what their needs and wants are and so we did that and, but and a big part of that is, is understanding the person as an individual individuals, so we, we we do some testing upfront on that, and invariably you know, when, since we've rolled that product out, people have been asking us, like, well, this is this stuff is great. Can I use this for hiring people? I could see that this would be really useful to help me, you know, avoid making bad hires, and we kind of thought about thought about, and we said, okay, yeah, we're going to do that, and so we rolled out sales fuel hire. We, we, we've added a couple of, of assessments to that. We've added an AI engine, which then allows the manager then to evaluate the performance of all the people in all the various positions that they have, whether it be from an SDR to a, to a new business hunter to to, to account manager, you name it, and you know. So we we take those evaluations of performance and use that to feed the AI engine, then, uh, so that we know you know which types of profiles uh, to look for that's specific to that team. So when we we've run ten thousand uh, sales rep. Uh, through the engine already, then to develop a baseline that pretty much true across all industries, all people. But this actually allows the the engine then to actually feed you scores of people that better match your particular uh, your your particular business. So it has a toxicity indexing in it of the 13 different types of toxicity, and we're going to alert the managers to that. We're going to tell the managers what to look for then during the hiring process, and we're even going to feed them profile-based interview questions. We do all those type types of things right up front, inexpensively. Certainly compared to a bad hire, it's inexpensive. And lots of value there. And that, that's something that we're rolling out this quarter. And you'll find that at salesfuel.com. Look for Sales Fuel Hire, look for Sales Fuel Coach. And uh, th- those are our two most recent things that, that we've rolled out this year.
1: All right, Lee. Well, you can tell you're excited about it. And I appreciate you being on the show today because this has been fabulous. We're talking with Lee Smith at Sales Fuel. And you, hey, one of the best in the business. In fact, Selling Power Magazine's talked about Lee as one of the biggest and foremost consultants in sales today. And you heard it right here on all business. With Jeffrey Hazlett Thanks Lee so much for joining us
2: Thanks for having me Jeffrey
1: You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett
0: Brought to you by C-Suite Radio A podcast network featuring today's top business experts And is part of the C-Suite Network The world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives Find this and other business podcasts On
1: c-suiteradio.com Hey, what a great show. You talk about some big things. You know, I always like to talk about the things I learned in the show and the big keepers. I mean, listen, folks, the money shot, the big thing, the one thing that came out of this interview was wants versus needs. You get that? Wants versus needs. To find your customers' wants versus their needs. Okay, man, you want that chocolate cake, but do you really need it? Right? And there's a big difference between the two because you will, you know, run over someone to get that chocolate cake because that's a want versus a need. So try to identify that. And I think spending time to do your homework, I think that, that came through very clear. And I loved his points about toxicity. I thought there was some real learnings there. Uh, but also, don't forget, you got some superstars out there, too, you need to take care of. So these are great things to be able to pick up. That was my good friend Lee Smith from Sales Fuel, And, of course, you can catch his show right here on C-Suite Radio as well, Manage Smarter. That's how we get to get listeners, by you finding a good show or a good interview and you listen to somebody. Hey, don't forget to tell a friend to make sure that no matter where you're listening to the podcast, to pick up and say, hey, go listen to All Business, right? here on c-suite radio like
0: what you just heard visit c-suite c-suite radio turning the volume up on business this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suite